what's the relationship with your dad like? So we didn't speak for many years um, for a plethora of reasons. And we ran into each other, obviously, at my brother's funeral. And we had conversations at the time and a hug and whatever. And But it was a very awkward interaction with him because there was not... There was never a lot of affection between my dad and I. Like, growing up, he was, you know, he was my, my sports coach. He, you know, trained me to be a top-ass man. And there was never, like, that love and affection between us. There was always love there because he's my dad and I'm his kid. But there was never that, like... Expressive. Yeah. So you you work out six times a week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And on the off day, mm-hmm. are you intentional? Like, are you itching to get into the gym? No, so I play football on my off day. Okay, so you still add some sort of physical activity. Yeah. So okay. Sunday I'm playing football for however long the games are an hour. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a good amount of cardio. Yeah. yeah. So you play flag football, right? Yeah. yeah I told my Achilles playing flag football, man. <laughs> like it's great. It's such. It's so fun. It is. I mean, I miss the. The physical aspect of american football yeah because i played for so many years um but flag is fine it's i don't get my aggression out as much but it's fine what position <laughs> did you play in american football yeah. defensive end nice yeah nice. how long did you play for oh my god i was eight when i started and like 18 when i stopped oh really okay yeah. so you played for a long time long time in the you... uh too many injuries yeah yeah too Would many concussions you... so, okay I, I want to talk about that. We're going to come back to that because okay. I actually have a, a question on that. But before we go any further, James Malonis, welcome to the Genstock Podcast. Thank you for having welcome, me. Thank welcome. you for coming on. Yeah, of course. Uh, we read the the piece that you did with View the Vibe for the cover. Yes. Incredible. Thank you. Shout out to the View the Vibe team for that, but also shout out to you for for showing it off and uh, for being so open and that sort of inspired this conversation. Literally the cover was showing it all off. There was very little clothing involved. (laughs) (laughs) So for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, go check it out. But um, essentially what I wanted to do here is really sort of understand who James is Mm -hmm. because we know you as James in the city. And I think that's how a lot of people know you. And in that piece, you commented about how you know, you were stopped at the airport. I think it was either in LA or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you were recognizing the brand is exploding. It's growing and all these great things. But James in the city mm-hmm. is not James Malonis. No. There's a man behind the persona. There is. And I play a character. Okay. Yeah. So let's start there. Okay. Where do you want to start? How did you even come to James in the city? And then how are you separating the two? So James in the city came about on a whim. I had started real estate 11 years ago and I just was shooting content down in the city on a Blackberry of all things. You know how good that camera quality was. (laughs) (laughs) And it just came down to, hey guys, James here. I'm back in the city. And one thing led to another, James in the city came about. And I saw an opportunity to create a persona that allowed me to be different than every other realtor. Because I did did not want to be your parents' realtor. I wanted to be my own person. And that's how I started James in the city. And it eventually just took over and became this full-time human and james didn't exist anymore and i hid james for a long time why vulnerability i don't like to let people in i'm not like i'm an emotional person but no one sees that i keep things very close to myself i don't let people in and there's like that whole like i'm an onion gotta peel me back kind of thing no it's not even that like i'm like the door shut like very few people get to see the actual james how come 
Like, what, what, what spawns all that? Because there's an intention there. There is. I think it's just how I, I was raised. Like, conservative Greek family, right? Always taught to be stoic. Don't be emotional. Don't show your feelings. Just be raw. Or not, don't, don't be raw. Just be, like, cold. Yeah. And that's how I was raised. Like, my mom's very affectionate. And I'm affectionate to her. But I, I'm just not an overtly emotional person. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me a long time to allow people in. And very few people actually get to see Jane. I reserve it for, like, my mom my best friend and my partner and that's it so for anybody who gets to to peek behind the curtain Mm -hmm. what do they see a hot mess (laughs) (laughs) okay no it's just like i just get to be myself without judgment right right because this world is already so judgmental Mm -hmm. and i don't feel like i could ever just be james in public what are they judging you what do you think you're being judged on Honestly, I, I'm an overthinker, so my brain goes to the worst places at all times. And it could be something as simple as, like, my outfit is not point, or my hair is not right, or I've gained a couple pounds, and they're judging me on that, or they're judging me on who knows what, right? But just, like, that, the, the emotional side that I don't let people in on. And that's where, like, the real James hides at home, behind the locked door. So what would need to happen for the James that's locked up to come out? I don't know. I think I did some, like, internal searching. But I also just, like, it's much like Paris Hilton, right? She had that cartoon voice for so many years. And then she turned 40, and she had the baby, and she's like, that character is gone. Right? Mm -hmm. So, eventually, she let the real Paris come through. And I think, like, at some point, the real James will continue to push through, and James City will take a step back. But as the brand is growing, James the City needs to be front and center. Right. And this process of building this brand... Has it seeped into the 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 man behind the persona? Like, how do you how do you separate the two? I don't I don't know. I mean, my partner noticed it because he came to a charity event with me that I was co-chairing, and he's like, I can see James and James the City very clearly at that event because like I'm on for photos and the red carpet and the interviews, and then the minute the cameras turned off, like I go back to him and I'm like a complete I'm the same person, but my energy is different. Right. And I just I don't know. I guess I'm more vulnerable around him. But I'm the same with my mom and with my best friend. With everyone else, it's just you're getting James in the city. They all think it's James. Right. And that's what I want the world to know. I mean, hello, I just aired it all out. But <laughs> when, you're, when you're playing football, who's playing? James or James in the city? James in the city. Oh. When you're playing football. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like James literally just like comes out at home. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you want James to be out more, though? At some point, yeah. 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 It's weird, like, like hearing it in my head now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I should just, like, let James out more. But at the same time, it's just, like, I just feel James' the city has taken over, and that's what people expect. They expect, like, that polished persona. They expect the always on point. They expect the I'm 15 minutes early. They expect the I'm never, I never miss a thing. But I feel like people, even though you may, that's subjective, people may or may not think that or expect that, but I feel like people relate more or, like, like more, like, the real. So wouldn't you want, like, more of the... Well, James said he's very real. Yeah. But he's just very polished. Mm-hmm. And he's not emotional. That's James not, is that's like... not real, though. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it is. No, polished... Everyone, everyone has blemishes. Yeah. So, like, polished and... Like, you're not you're not going to catch me outside in, like, dirty sweatpants. Or I sweatpants mean, in general. I feel like... What about, like, running errands? Jeans. Okay. Yeah. So, how how... At what point did you realize that there was a separation between the two personalities? I think it was 2016. Okay. I think that was what I realized. Um, so I had a like very traumatic, life-changing moment in 2016. My brother passed away. Mm. And Sorry to hear that. Thank you. And I just I stopped 
the emotional side of that point. And I just, like, I shuddered a lot of people on, like, my true feelings. Because I, I didn't grieve my brother. I just, I pushed him so far away. Mm. And just did not ever open that door again. Like, it's just, like, it's, it's, my feelings were buried when he was buried and that was it. And I think that's when I, you know, let James the City take over. So have you ever reopened that door? No. Are you going to? No. How come? It's just something that I don't want to deal with. Like, I mean, I'm sure at some point it'll come up, but like, if someone wants to talk to me about my brother, like his friends or my cousins, fine. But with my parents, no, I do. And they, my parents are separated. I don't let my parents talk to me about my brother. Mm. I will not. You talked about in the in the same View the Vibe piece, you talked about your parents split mm-hmm. and that, how that affected you. I think it was, you were in the last year of your high school. Yeah, it was like weeks, maybe months before graduation. Mm-hmm. And I just had the world's biggest breakdown. I couldn't handle it. And, and what happened there? I dropped out of school. I dropped out of high school. Okay. Like I literally, like, I walked into my principal's office, and I'm like, I am done. I can't do this. And she's like, you're a moron. Like, you have such good grades. Just take the same courses that you have right now in summer school. Write the same exams. Like, take the time off and just write your exams in summer school, and you will continue with the marks. Because I, I had great marks. Right. So she just wanted me to just finish them off. And I did. I'm glad that she pushed me to finish it, because I was just ready to walk away from it. And I got my GED years later, but I'm glad she pushed me to finish it. And what was the fallout from your parents' separation? You said your mom's affectionate. What's the relationship with your dad like? So we didn't speak for many years um, for a plethora of reasons. And we ran into each other, obviously, at my brother's funeral. And we had conversations at the time and a hug and whatever. And But it was a very awkward interaction with him because there was not... There was never a lot of affection between my dad and I. Like, growing up, he was... You know, he was my, my sports coach. He, you know, trained me to be a top-ass man. And there was never, like, that love and affection between us. There was always love there because he's my dad and I'm his kid. But there was never that, like... Expressive. Yeah. Right? Um, and then last... So winter 2022, we kind of reconnected when my grandfather got sick. And we decided to open the door to a relationship coming back in. So it's better now. But for, like, 13 years, we did not speak. How did you feel when you were going through that moment of sort of 13 plus years and now you're reopening that conversation? Um, it For a person who says that they're also kind of, not kind of, but you specifically have one version that's polished and one version that's emotional. Yeah, like he gets the very polished side. Interesting. He doesn't get the emotional side. He doesn't, he doesn't see that. Still till today. Mm-hmm. Do you think that'll change? No. And is that because of the 13 years? I think it's just a variety of things. I think it's just like that's how he is because he's not an emotional person. Okay. So I just give him the same level of energy that he gives me. Do you think that if you gave him more of the real James that you might get more of the real him? Is it possible that he has a polished version that he's... No, I think with him it's like what you see is what you get. Like that is like that is just very much him. Right. Like there's obviously there's love there and he shows affection in his own way. And I guess maybe that, that is him being emotional or affection, whatever the case is. But he will always get James in the city. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll never get James. So in that in that time, in those 13 years, you didn't talk. Because obviously times you probably go in your life and be like, I'm never going to talk to this guy ever again. Mm-hmm. And be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did it feel to, how does it feel now to have even some connection, if, regardless of how real it is and how much it means to even have it versus not? Because I'm saying this from the point of, I don't talk to my father. And I'm in the point where it's like, because we've had a uh, separating. And I'm at the point where it's okay, I'm not going to talk to this guy again probably for the rest of my life and be okay with it. And then it's like, is it is it is it worth having that 
even that little bit of uh, connection versus not having it? Like, how important is that? It's important. Um, and I, I equate a lot of it to my partner now, who his father passed away two years ago. And they didn't have a great relationship growing up, much like my dad. We had, we had, a, we had a relationship, but it was never the typical father-son relationship. And he kind of not pushed me to fix things with my dad, but allowed my, I guess, my my heart, my brain to be open to having him back in my life. So I've allowed my dad back in my life. And I'm grateful that he's here. But it's a very weird relationship. Like, I, I don't call him dad. I call him pops. Mm. Right? Because it's just like... I don't know what, what I don't want to talk about that. So we'll skip over that. Um, can you rephrase the question? Sorry. Um, I'm just like yeah, like versus like not having a relationship at all. How does it feel to just even have some kind of relationship with him after not after thinking at one point in your life I'm never going to talk to this guy ever again and be okay with it? Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely um, it's a bit of like a, a mind trip a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So you went for so many years not speaking, thinking you're never going to see this man again. Obviously, like I've seen him in passing, like with his partner or significant other at the time and you know down the street or at a coffee shop or running into my grandparents house right things like that but it was never like a i'm going to be sitting down breaking bread with this man ever again mm-hmm. and then when i allowed him back in it felt good to have him back in my life but it's in a very weird way right like the love is still there but it's in a very weird place yeah, yeah. but he's changed How's so? he has he's no longer the man that i knew growing up mm-hmm. he's not the dad that i knew when i was you know, in my preteens, my teens, and I didn't know him after my 20s, right? But the the man that he is now is the man that I wish he was back mm. then. He was always he was always great, but he's just better now. What's yeah. the difference? I think he's discovered who he is. I think he's, I think my brother's passing, this sounds so morbid to say, but did him good because it made him actually feel something. Mm. And he's always felt things, but he's never expressed it. And I think now he's just in a better place in his life, and I'm kind of I'm proud to see him grow. Do you think that there will ever come a time where the real James and your real dad can have a conversation, an honest conversation? Maybe. I'm open to it if the time comes. Right. Yeah. What about you? You talked about your dad. <sighs> Would you ever reopen that door? Yeah, it was, but it's one of those like I'm not I'm not gonna push it. I, I've done my due diligence in trying to maintain that relationship at this point it's like you're the adult yeah you you need to like you need to give me something i shouldn't be here the only one trying to push like it's like why am i only person pushing on this door like Mm -hmm. let's 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 work together like if give me like if you give me something let me give you something to work with opposed to me just throwing this love at you and you just stone cold it and then Mm -hmm. i'm supposed to just all of a sudden just be like keep people like oh keep trying it's like i'm supposed just because i guess they assume it's People always, just, I guess, people assume based on their own situations. But like for me, it's just like there, there's, there's no. It's not like he's reaching out. I'm like, no, I don't want anything One-sided. to do. One sided. Yeah, it, it's very. And I'm not, a, I'm not at the reaching point on because I've, I've passed that. But mm-hmm. before, before you pass that, I was at the. I'm reaching out. I'm, I'm not getting anything back. So it's like, why am I keep doing this? So if you reach out, yeah, I'm gonna be responsive. I'm not going to jump on it right away. Mm-hmm. But I will take it for. I'll take it more than a grain of salt and be like, okay, what's going on? Like, but then it's also okay. Why do you want to talk? And then, but I'll still sit down. But like what's the angle and really see if there is any because I'm assuming there'd be an angle for the first conversation like when they reach out to you you're always thinking like what what do you have to gain out of this like yeah, why are you like, messaging me you're not doing this from the goodness of the heart are you or like oh, but are you just like, I want to know and it's I, like and then you want it yeah but you also yeah. like you want it because you want them to be reaching out genuinely yes but then when you when, they, when you when you when you get a reach out that's not genuine it's like I'm not doing this again like why yeah I know right like 
I don't know. So, so I would still be open it still be open to conversation, but like I'd have to know that like you generally want to have a conversation and like it's more than and like why? And I I don't I don't really care much for the Oh, I'm old now, and I realize it's like that. That is just because maybe because you're getting closer to death. Like I want, like, a, but that's not because that's not because you want to know me as a person. You just want to get that off your 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 chest before you pass, type thing. You know, people like mm-hmm. come come on, come on so late. Sometimes it's just like you just want to get this so you can die with a good conscience. It's nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. right? If you want to, if you want to come reach out to me, then reach me because you want to get to know me, like how I've been hurt, how you've how you dealt with how how your absence has affected me, and and for a genuine apology and how, 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 how we're going to work past that together. But if you just want to just to be like, Hey man, that's it. Like just so, so you can live peacefully in your own world. Then nah, I don't got time for that, man. I don't need that. You could leave a voicemail. Like it's going to do with me. Is your dad genuine when he reaches out? Yeah. 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 Like he's, like I said, he's changed hmm. and it's, it's for the better. Like I see, I, I physically see like knowing what, like how I was raised and knowing what our family situation was then and seeing him now, he's a complete different person. Like, he, he's a great partner now. She is amazing for him. Like, my mom was good for him, but this woman is meant for him because she can match his energy. And I I equate a lot of his attitude change to his current partner because she is, like, meant yeah. for him. Not a lot of people can say something like that because, yeah. you know, when you say something like that, it, there's an assumption that, in this case, your mom wasn't right for him. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think they were right for each other to have children together. Okay. And I think that was it. Right. Like, like looking back at my childhood, my upbringing, how they interacted with each other, I think they were meant to like to be parents, but they should never have been parents together. Much after Nick and I were born, or his name is Nick, like much after we were born, mm. right? Like they raised us well, so we we always were raised in you know a, a great two parent household. Yeah, we had issues and we went through hell and back at certain times, but. They were great parents. But, like, looking at him now, I wish he was the dad now that I wanted back then. But he's great. Like, I I was hesitant. Every time he would reach out, I was just like, what Like what angle are you coming from? Mm-hmm. Like, are you just doing it because someone's telling you to reach out to me? Are you doing it because Nick's no longer here? Like, what? why are you reaching out? And then I sat down, I broke bread with him. And I, I never thought I'd have dinner with him ever again. And outside of, like, my grandparents trying to get sure. us together. But, like, I went to his house. We sat down. We had dinner. And I watched him and how we acted. And it was it was perfect. Mm. Yeah. Like, the relationship still needs work. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be fixed over there. There's, like, 13 years of not talking. And then, however old I am, years of issues behind that. Sure. But just seeing him now, I'm like, yeah, I'm open to that relationship. I'm open to that conversation. I'm open to whatever, however it comes, I'm open to it. What's the biggest or most outstanding issue between you and your dad right now? Oh, jeez. Um, I, I, I just think we both closed the door to the past, and we'll never talk about that past. Do you think you can? Do you think you can ever have a successful relationship with him if you don't deal with the reason you're at where you're at? Yeah, because I think we're we're a lot of the, like my dad and I are a lot alike. In a very weird way. I'm like 50-50 my mom and my dad. Mm. More my mom than my dad, but like like very much equal. And I think just knowing what our past was and how things ended, it's best to just leave that in the past and move forward as a brand new chapter. Like, new Louis, new James, that's it. Can I, I don't think we actually talked about this, but what was the reason why you guys stopped talking? I can't talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So, 
at the time that all of this happened and then you you did the the courses in the summer what happened next i finished off my high school education and i started working in fashion mm-hmm. went into retail management and visual merchandising then i became a stylist and i loved that world it allowed me to be because i'm a creative person it allowed me to be creative sorry it allowed me to be creative and express myself and discover who i really wanted to be in my life and from there i got into real estate like shortly after and what's that world been like for you i mean obviously there's some level of success that that you're seeing from it but i imagine it wasn't always a smooth ride oh real estate has been horrible for the last 11 years it's like it's ups and downs it's a roller coaster right well because it's it's your commission based first Mm -hmm. and foremost so there's never a guarantee of income because you can go six months without a paycheck you can be writing deals but they might not close for six months right so what do you do in that time frame like you literally have no income so you wake up every single morning unemployed and that's what people don't realize. They see selling Sunset and million-dollar yeah. listing and buying Beverly Hills and all these other real estate shows. Oh, it's great. We're selling $30 million. No. No one sells $30 million homes in Toronto. Maybe like Barry Cohen sells five a year or five every two years, however many deals he does over $30 million. They don't exist here. Right. Right? The average Toronto home is like $2 million. There's 70,000 agents in Toronto. Not everyone's making money. The average right. agent does less than six deals a year. And what does that approximate to? Like, mm-hmm. an av- is there ninety percent of the agents do less than six deals a year? So ten percent of agents are doing most of the business. Yeah, I know. I know many, many real estate agents. You can walk down the street and clock fifteen realtors, and I can tell you probably none of them done a deal in the last three months. So, is real estate an industry worth getting into? No. Why is it so like? Yeah, so like, <laughs> I, I I agree because I know, like I said, I know many real estates, and they they tell me a lot about it, and it's like, but why is it such? An attractive option. I feel like more and more people are going into real estate now than before. I guess because more and more people are just buying houses. Or so it's not even that. It's because of the whole like celebrity aspect of real estate. Selling sunset, million dollar listing. They think this is what we do. They think we get dressed up in glamorous gowns and tuxedos to go to an open house. Mm-hmm. No, two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm not sipping caviar and champagne. Mm-hmm. I am busting my balls, running clients, showing houses, showing condos, opening doors, looking for lockboxes, climbing over junkies and alleyways to get to the keys. That is real estate. Not coming up in a Ferrari, handing my keys to some valet to go look at an open house. That, that, that's not our world. Mm-hmm. Everything you see on TV is fabricated. That is not real estate. So why do you still do it? Because I love what I do. Okay. But like, I'm not dining at five-star restaurants every single day. I'm eating in my car as I'm driving. Like, I have my Tupperware of chicken and rice as I'm driving. That is the glamorous side of real estate. No veggies? Not during the day. <laughs> Dinner time. <laughs> and games. <laughs> okay, so the the real estate component, though, st- I, I got to understand it. Yeah. So you it's you make it sound absolutely miserable. No, okay, it's not miserable. It's a very lonely business because you are by yourself. Without your clients, you are by yourself. Okay. Even in the office, like, you work for yourself. You may have other agents in there. And you'll shoot the shit for five, ten minutes, and you're going back to work. Like you, you are by yourself every single day. Hmm. It's a tough industry, right? There's You have to go through a lot of hurdles to get a deal done. Sometimes things fall apart the day of closing. Lawyers are calling you, where's this, where's this, where's this? Appraisers are, you know, the house didn't appraise. Well, why not? Right. Oh, there's a crack in the foundation. Okay, the house should still appraise. The crack makes no difference. You're buying the land at this point. It's a teardown, right? Right. So there's all these things you have to go to. And then your clients, even like months after the deal is closed, they're still calling you for issues. Like, why are you calling me? You should be calling, you know, your handyman. Right. I'm not going to come over and change your light bulbs for you. It's not my job. My job is to buy and sell you a house. Right. Not to change your light bulbs or to find you an electrician. But <laughs> they come to you 
as a concierge because that's what we do we are problem solvers we are problem solvers we're lawyers we're accountants we are taxi drivers we are uber's delivery we are cleaning companies like we do it all but it's a very lonely business and it's a grind mm-hmm. and you can go months without a paycheck especially when you're first starting out because who's going to trust you like when i started i was 21 years old who's mm-hmm. going to give me the keys to a three million house at 21 years old no one so i was doing leases leases don't pay the bills Right. So you're getting a half a month's rent. What were leases back 11 years ago? $1,200 a month? Okay, 600 bucks. My office takes 10% of that. Put money away for taxes. I'm making, what, $300 for a week's worth of work? Mm. I can't pay my bills with $300. No. Where do you see the real estate market going now? Not just Toronto, but generally speaking. So there's chatter all across the board that AI will replace realtors. It'll never happen. Real estate is an emotional business. Residential real estate. Commercial commercials all numbers. Commercial, they don't care about the story behind the house they don't, or the building. They don't care who lived there. They don't care who owned it before you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Residential is always emotional. And you you have to play on people's emotions. Okay, a family used to live here. Oh, yeah, I'm starting a family. Great. That's where your country is going. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Two bedrooms there. Yeah, you know, if you have twins, damn, running out of space. But here's the thing. You can add an addition to the back. Yes, great. So you, 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 you paint the story for the buyer, right? Yeah. And even when you're selling the home, you paint the story for the prospective buyer, right? You stage the home appropriately. And because you know, not every house is the same. If I'm selling a loft in King West, I'm not staging with a crib. I'm staging it to, you know, a, a piece to a bachelor or a bachelorette right. or a bro in finance because that's the buyer for King West. But if I have a house in Scarborough, I'm going to be staging it appropriately for a family of three or four. Interesting. And in terms of the actual, one of the things that we were recently talking about with Director X was the rise in the cost of living and real estate and all that is starting to have a really negative impact on a lot of families. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, essentially as an insider in the industry, what are you seeing in that in that space? Well, it is it is expensive. Rents are through the roof. Mortgage rates are crazy high right now. Interest rates are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean they're not where they were 15, 20 years ago, but they are still high, mm-hmm. right? Considering the the you know the cost of homes here are really expensive. It's really diminished a lot of people's buying power. I had a buyer whose budget was X with the new interest rates. His budget is now Y. He can't buy for Y. It doesn't exist because he qualifies for a lot less. Right. right. So it screwed a lot of people out of the market or it's brought them down in price point, which is why the rental market has gone up because people still need a place to live. So I can't afford to buy, but I can afford to rent. And then I can maybe sit here for a year or two until rates level up. So it's, it's just, it's a cycle. Right. right. But the cost of living is super high. Groceries are still expensive. Yeah. I've never paid attention to the cost of groceries ever. And I'm not like coming from like a, a place of privilege. It's just, I've never had to pay attention to groceries. I just would walk in, buy what I need, and I would leave. The other day, I was conscious about what I bought. And not that I was, like, looking for the sales in the store, like, weighing out my berries. But I got home, and I went through the receipt, and I'm like, how did I spend $140 for a bag of groceries? Yeah. I didn't buy anything. Yeah. I bought eggs, berries, and bananas. Like, why is that expensive? Right. Especially if you're, like, buying the, the same general things, too. So I'll go to Costco and buy, like, the same, like, bag of veg. And like I've seen in the last couple of years go from like nine ninety nine to like thirteen ninety nine. I mean, this is the same product. Like it's it's the exact same thing. It's been like a year. Mm-hmm. Like how it's like how does it jump so much? And it's like it's 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 crazy. I don't know I don't understand. So what advice would you give people who are either looking to buy, looking to sell? Well, actually let's start with the buyers. Yeah, so because there's buy. a lot of people that wanna buy, a lot of young professionals that wanna buy who just can't afford it. Well, they can't afford it. They just need to can change their expectations. Because people okay. want all up front. Gone are the days of our parents. I mean, my parents got married in 1990, so they bought their first house in 91, right before I was born, right? 
Gone are the days of buying your forever house. So you're not buying the 5,000 square foot McMansion in Aurora or Richmond Hill or King City or Vaughn for whatever it was back in the 90s and living there for the rest of your life. You're going to buy something small to get started. Buy a condo. Buy a one-bedroom condo. Live in it for three years. Sell it. Buy a two-bedroom or two and done. Sell it. Buy a town. You climb the ladder. The average buyer moves every three to five years, which is why we say it takes three to five years to build your equity. Hmm. So you don't need to buy your dream house off the bat. I have clients come to me, oh, you know, I want this and this and this. and this. Great. You want that. What do you need? Hmm. I want a Rolls Royce. Great. I could drive a Toyota. Right. I, so need, a car, the, I need a car to get A and B. Yeah. I want the Rolls, but I can afford the Toyota. We all want the Rolls. <laughs> I mean, I take the Bentley over the Rolls, let's be real. <laughs> it's a nicer ride. Um, but just like putting it into perspective, right? Like right. you want the detached three-bedroom house in Side, but you can't afford $2.7 million. But you can afford... 1.1, great. What does that get you? Maybe it's a condo townhouse. Maybe it's not least. Maybe it's East York. And it gets you a bungalow. Hmm. But it gets you into the market. So if you manage your expectations of what you can actually afford, you can get into the market. Once people have that mindset shift, it changes the game completely. So it's really just setting expectations. 100%. How much of that is on the realtor and how much of that is on the buyer? I'd say 90% the buyer to manage expectations. Like we will, we will guide you the right way. We right. will give it to you straight. It's up to you to take that advice and run with it. What advice would you give your younger realtor self? My younger realtor self? Yeah. Save money for taxes. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you get into real estate, no one tells you about taxes. You're pretty much an entrepreneur. We are, yeah, independent contractors. Yeah. So my broker does not take taxes away from me. I would just get, I'm going to use a number like $50,000 for a check. Great, I got 50 grand. No, I technically have like 20 grand because that money has to go into taxes and you know HST mm. and all that stuff. Because when tax season comes, you're like, oh, shit, now I owe X number of dollars. Where's the money going to come from? Yeah. Right? So younger self, James, save for taxes. And what advice would you give younger James? Like younger, younger James? Just younger James, not, not James the realtor. In the city. Not, not James in the city, just, just James? Just James. Just be yourself. Hmm? Are you succeeding at that? Yeah, I would. I think so. Okay. Yeah, because whether it's James or James City, I'm still myself. Right. It's just one is a little more casual and a little more emotional vulnerable. That's the only difference. Mm. Still the same person at the end of the day, ish. How do you, when things don't go your way, how do you work through those? How you, does because you've got James in the city that's mm-hmm. polished and doesn't let that affect him yeah. by the sounds of it, and then you've got the real James that's a lot more vulnerable and mm-hmm. emotional. So when something doesn't work, so I try not to shut down. I don't talk about my emotions. I don't like if I like I'll call my mom and walk walk through things with her. I've recently started seeing a therapist, but like that, our sessions are almost done. I needed her for a short little while to get some things off my chest, and mm. she succeeded with what I needed her for. Um, music helps a lot, but also the gym has been my saving grace because mm. I forgot about working for so many years. Like I let myself go, mm-hmm. and the gym has really saved my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, like everything. So just getting in there, and whether it's a 30-minute walk on a treadmill to clear my head or a 90-minute pump, it just... I escape for that time, and I forget about what's going on. Like you could have Denzel lifting beside me, and I'd be like, "Cool, bro, what's up?" Like I don't, I, I see no one in the gym by myself. I just go and do my work, and I leave, and that 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 gets it off my head. So when mm-hmm. things don't go right, I either go to the gym or music. Music, as in just listening to music, or you play music? No, no, I don't play. I, I can barely count to ten, so don't even ask me to play an instrument. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not that talented. Um, no, but just playing music. So I have. I'm like the king of playlists. Right. I have like 101 playlists, and each one is for a different mood. I have like a, a wake-up playlist. I have a shower playlist. I have a I'm in a bad mood playlist. I have a I need a 30-second cry playlist. Like, I have playlists for literally everything. Okay. Yeah. Do you journal? No. 
Okay. I doodle. You doodle. Yeah. A lot of people doodle. Yeah. A lot of people doodle in meetings. I've noticed. But yeah. 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 Like, don't ever catch me on Zoom because I'm not paying attention. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm constantly drawing. Don't like one of these. Yeah. yeah. Just random. Yeah. How's your self talk? My self talk? Yeah. Oh, it's great. You talk positively yourself? Oh, yeah. Like, because yeah. you, you realize that you are the words that you speak, mm-hmm. and everything you say becomes a reality. Right. And case in point, my partner and I were driving last week. We were talking about a mutual friend of ours. Within seconds, she texted me. I have not spoken to her in a couple of weeks. She texted me out of the blue. We're just talking. So the words you put out into the universe become reality. Mm. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be six months from now, but it becomes a reality because you're putting it out. Like, it's the whole concept of, you know, the like the secret about money, right? You can manifest a million dollars tomorrow. You gotta start somewhere. So start by just like, I see pennies everywhere. And watch, you're gonna walk in and you see pennies. They don't exist anymore. So they dimes, right? You're seeing dimes, right? Oh, it's like, okay, a dime here, a dime there. Yeah. But then dime becomes a $20 bill. That 20 becomes 100. 100 becomes you just want to scratch and win for 50 right. grand. Do you play scratch and wins? No, but you, something told you to buy one that day and you won. Right, just like the thoughts you put out there become reality at some point. So that mentality of, of being positive and everything like that, how do you how do you keep that up day after day in an industry like yours where you're saying it's lonely, you're very much sort of, you know, you only get paid when you work and you're working every day. Oftentimes you're not seeing a paycheck every day. Mm-hmm. How are you, how do you keep yourself going? It's definitely hard. I mean, because I, like I said, it's a very lonely business. You are alone a lot. Um, my partner's not live in the same city as me, so I don't see him every day. I don't see him every week. We talk every day, but it's it's having the right people around you to lift you up. Mm. But it's also having. My dad used to always say, "You're like the sum of the five people you spend the most time with," mm. right? So having positive people in your life, no matter what you're doing, you're going for dinner. It could be five random people, as long as they are all your level and above, right? Could be going for dinner, could be going to the, to the gym, whatever you do, and like you should be surrounded by people who can lift you up. Mm-hmm. Not that you need them to, but unintentionally they're doing it for you. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that aspect, but also just like it's your own mental cognition of just waking up every morning and saying today's a new day. I don't care what happened yesterday. Like yeah, yesterday still may be affecting me today. Like last week I had a rough night, didn't sleep. Still got up Monday and did my thing. Still had to do. I still had to go to work. I still had to bust my ass with clients. And put on a good face. And after an hour goes by, you're fine. It's just, it's getting that out of your mental head. So maybe for someone is to journal or to doodle or to go to the gym or go for a walk or play a playlist or drink a bowl of lemon water. I don't know what it is. But you have to do something to get yourself out of that mindset of negativity. Because, right. you know, the more negative thoughts you think or the more down you are, the more bad things will happen to you. You talked a little bit earlier about concussions, and I want to come back to that. Yeah. Because that's an interesting thing that took the sports world by storm for a few years and now seems to have gone away a little bit. Yeah. Well, if you remember, if I don't ever play like minor league hockey, the back of the jerseys had that big stop sign. Yeah. To stop people from hitting you in the back. That's yep. where a lot of concussions came from. And it messed up a lot of people. So a lot of people in my age bracket who have played sports from, I started skating when I was three. We all have sports injuries, whether it's fractured ankles, cracked ribs, whatever. Almost all of us have a number of concussions and each one gets progressively worse and it takes longer to heal from. Mm-hmm. And it came to a point where I can no longer play contact sports because I've had too many concussions. I've had too many head injuries from hockey, football, snowboarding. How many in total? I can't disclose that. Okay. Yeah. So 
can you for anyone who hasn't experienced it and i hope they don't ever have to can you explain what happens when you have a concussion what that feels like uh from a medical standpoint no but from like what it feels like it's just from your experience from my experience like you feel lost like your brain doesn't work and even now like i've had so many concussions that my, my brain will stop working and I will have a conversation with you, and then I will stop. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I, my brain just stopped working. Because it literally just stopped working. It's not that I zoned out. It's not that I forgot what I was going to say. It's not that I saw something shiny in the corner. My brain just literally stopped working. Because like, the wires just, like, snipped. Right? right. But <clears throat> from that, you feel lost. And it's not like like I'm lost, like I don't know what I'm doing today. It's like you, you're, you're, your head is swimming. Because you just feel out of body. You feel lost. Mm. Like a fog. Of some kind. Yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it. But it's like a fog. I mean, I think anybody who ever experienced COVID talked about brain fogs being a thing. Yeah. I've had that happen to me, too. I've had a concussion in the past, so I can relate to the the whole, you know, like, I for whatever reason, just can't put two thoughts together in that moment. I think the worst was my, one of my last concussions was this buzzing in my radio that stayed. And it wasn't a week, it wasn't a month, it was like six months of this constant buzzing in my right ear. Not a hum, like a buzz. Like I was hearing like like bell chimes in my ear. How did, was there anything you could do to get rid of that? It was just timing. The doctors, right. you know, I would go in every other week and check up and it just was timing. Nothing like fixes that, eh? Like I have a buddy who's had multiple concussions too and then he like fell the other day just like going up the stairs and because he, he's had so many, like he got another concussion because it gets easier to have them. Yeah. And there's just nothing that like it's a timing so. thing, but yeah. it's also like like when you have numerous concussions, everything is off. Like your balance is off, your equilibrium is off. Like I'm I'm a natural born klutz, but it's just it's heightened over the years of you know I'm I I, I walk straight. I mean as straight as I can be, but like I lean to one side, mm. right? Or I'll walk into things on my left side, and sometimes like my my left side of my vision is off. Interesting. Yeah. There's one other topic that I wanted to dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this is something that you're not comfortable with, that's totally okay. But in that same view, the vibe piece, you talked about how when you were younger, you had thoughts of harming yourself mm-hmm. because of what had happened. Are you comfortable sharing the what led to that and how you've overcome that? And what advice maybe you can share with people who are in that state right now feeling like that's an option for them? Yeah. Wow. Um, there were a number of reasons why I got to that point. Um I was in a, I was in a long-term relationship that was in a really bad place in the last couple of years. It started off really great. It just it ended it ended poorly. Um, but there was that, and there was past childhood traumas, things that happened in my teen years. There was addiction issues, and it all kind of came to a point. It was during COVID, where things just got really dark. Because I'm an extrovert, I thrive around people, and I just it was really lonely, and things were getting really really hard like day to day i'm not talking financially like financially was a big burden during covid i accumulated some debt during covid because we all did mm-hmm. right like you know real estate market was kind of soft at one point and bills were still coming so to pay your office so to pay your cars so to pay shit there was that but it all kind of came to a head because I, I was i i was letting the, the the voices in my head win and for anyone going through that just know that tomorrow will always be better because there's nothing worse than yesterday, but tomorrow will be better. Hmm. How did you get through it? What what steps did you take? Honestly, it was I had a random phone call from someone who I never met, 
never heard of, never spoken to, someone who watched my TikToks. And she had called me right before and said my TikTok saved her life. Wow. Because my humor, whatever it was, like she saw something that resonated with her to like not do what she was going to do. And that phone call stopped me from doing what I was going to do. Have you kept in contact with her? Never again. Do you ever tell her? I mean, if she's seen my TikToks moving forward, I've said it on a few lives. I had on a couple of podcasts already. Mm-hmm. She must have seen it, but I didn't save her number. Nothing. It's just like it was a call that came in, and because I get a lot of calls like from other mm-hmm. realtors and people, sure. so I, I don't save every single one that comes in because yeah. there's a lot that comes in a day. I'm sure if I check my phone now, there's probably six missed calls. But that phone call changed my life and changed the way I viewed things. And no matter how hard things have gotten since that time, I've never once had that thought again. That's that's good. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, out of the blue, a random phone call from a random person who saw a TikTok. And, you know, if you're religious, you know, that was God talking. If you're spiritual, it was, you know, a ghost talking or whatever the case is, right? It's just like, that's just the universe's way of telling you that tomorrow will be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the advice that you would give to other people. 100%. Right. Like, like, no matter what you're going through, something could have happened to you today. You lost your job great tomorrow's a new day you can find a new job there's always going to be a better tomorrow it may not be physically tomorrow it could be a week from now a month from now a year from now but tomorrow is always going to be better and that's the power of the way of positive thinking 100 but when you're in that state positive thinking is the heart i again i imagine one of the hardest things to do absolutely because you're by yourself right and a lot of people who struggle with mental health are by themselves because especially as men and I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna say men because this is the gents part, so it's male focused. Mm-hmm. We are taught to be strong, stoic, not vulnerable. Don't your emotions? Because that, 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 society says that's not what a man is, mm-hmm. right? Men should be allowed to feel vulnerable, and soft, and emotional. But the problem is they get into relations with people who are toxic and use that vulnerability against them when something doesn't go their way. So when you find the right partner, the right spouse, the right husband, the right wife, whatever the case is, and you can be open and honest and vulnerable with them without ever having fear of judgment, because maybe it's two souls that have had the same path growing up. Maybe it's two souls that have dealt with the same issues previously. Once you find that person who just gets you, you never feel judged to be who you are. You just be open and honest and raw because they get it. I think that's such an interesting perspective. One I completely agree with because I think a lot of times a lot of men misconstrue that, you know, if they some if someone hears you saying it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to be to show emotions. We're not necessarily saying, you know, at every waking moment you are an emotional mess. We're talking about how when you're not feeling like your best self, that it's okay to say that and express that similar to kind of what you do in some ways to the people that you trust to share that with. Yeah. No one's saying you have to go out onto TikTok, create a, a new a new clip, and all of a sudden you're telling the entire world how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. But that as a man, expressing that to people that are in your circle that you trust is completely okay. 100%. Especially when you're in a relationship with someone, right? You should both collectively be 200 at all times. Because there's going to be days where he's 70 mm-hmm. and I'm 130. So I'm going to make sure that my extra 30 gives him that full 100. Mm-hmm. And you should you should feel like the same way in your relationship to, to, to be a 20 and let him be 180, mm. right? To carry you and vice versa or her, whatever the case is. 
because collectively you're together. Mm-hmm. So you should be, you should find that person. Not have to go out and find that person. Oh, I can be vulnerable with so and so. But when you find the right person, you can be vulnerable with them and, and not feel ashamed. It takes away so much burden. It takes that, that weight off your chest, that cloud out of your head. It just allows you to just be. And I think that's such a better place yeah. for a lot of men than, than where they're at right now. Yeah. And I, th- I think men just get like suckered into this whole trap of like, I can't express how I'm feeling because I'm taught to be strong and stoic. Or if I show emotions, it makes me gay. Like, off with that shit you know i'm sorry if i sleep you can't swear in this podcast yeah, but it's like sorry. yeah like, like yeah. enough of that shit right yeah like just just be express yourself and just watch things get easier yeah it's so i think like what's people confused like you're saying confused with no one's like it's not about all the time just like if you have if you're feeling upset like if i don't know you and you i can say i'm okay like it's not like you know but if I, if you if i'm feeling upset and i know you you are my good friend and you're my good friend then i'm yes you should be able to be like i'm hurting right not not run into the world until i oh i'm upset and not saying, no one's saying crying all the time and you should you should just be a hot mess <laughs> right like you're saying like you just you but you should be able to uh articulate that with your close people at least with somebody so main thing so it gets off your chest yeah so, so it's it's not just sitting on your back so you can and then talking about with the close people you get a reaction that is that is wholesome that lets you know that it's going to be okay because because it is as much as it's crazy because as much as we know it's going to be okay because that's how like like it has to be okay mm-hmm. but you still need that reassurance and if you're only if you're only there and you're not letting anybody in how's anybody going to help you help reassure you yeah totally agree with that yeah and i think that more men need to to come to that realization i think a lot of the responses to stuff like that is often if i were to express emotions we see this in the comments all the time you know, if I were to express that I'm having a bad day in any emotion other than anger, right, then my partner will not want to be with me. My response to that is then you're with the wrong partner. 100%. Because that's not a relationship you should be in anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a toxic relationship that's probably going to amplify your worst characteristics, your worst behaviors, everything. Mm-hmm. Because when you start turning to alcohol to escape, mm-hmm. or drugs to escape, or touch wood, violence to escape, mm-hmm. right? You should be able to go to your your spouse, your partner, your wife, your husband, and just be like, "Hey, listen, I'm not okay right now." Or even if like if they know you well enough, to just look at your face and be like, "What's wrong?" Mm-hmm. Like I can I can see my partner's face a mile away, and I'll be like, "What's wrong?" So like, I'm fine. I'm like, "What kind of fine?" He's like, "Not mm-hmm. that kind of fine." I'm like, "Talk <laughs> to me about it." Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like you should have that conversation. You should be able to uh, like allow them to be, so they they can feel comfortable. And once they do, you just you watch the walls just fucking crumble down. Mm-hmm. I've seen it with my guy. I've seen his walls crumble, and he's seen my walls crumble because we've both been through fucking hell and back in our relationships and our past lives. Our and our it's scary because our lives are so similar. But when we've allowed each other to be vulnerable in each other's presence, especially over the last ninety days of what's happened in our lives. We are one strong fucking team, mm. right? Because we allow each other to, and we're, we're both like big, strong ex football players. Like, we are the epitome of like stoicism, or that's not even a word, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you let that person be vulnerable and the relationship just heightens. It just grows and it only is going to get better from there. Yeah, 100%. It only does get better from there. Yeah. Being in a relationship with a person that actually knows how to be there for you, who can give you that extra 20 when you're feeling like an 80 is a huge bonus yeah it, it, it can change your entire life 100 percent. I've, I've watched my business 
grow. I've watched my personal life grow, my fitness grow. I've watched him and his personal life grow, his business grow, his fitness grow. It's just insane how having that right person just makes you a better person. And you could think you were the right person for years. Mm. And you realize that they were never the right person for you. They were there for you. They were in your life because they were meant to be in your life for that window of time. Yeah. Yeah. But they weren't necessarily meant to be there any longer. Exactly. Like they, they, serving a purpose is the wrong, but they they served that purpose. They did what they needed to do for you at that moment. And the clock was done. Right. I think of like my life like a book. So I always think, all right, that person is only supposed to be there for that chapter Mm -hmm. or maybe not part of the chapter. Right. Because nobody. Nobody makes nobody makes through the whole book. Nobody makes through the whole movie. No, right? You can't have everybody in the, who's in the beginning of the movie be at the end of the movie. It's a, it's not a real movie, right? So it's like you gotta. I think it's a people I think live with like a lot of regrets. It's like that's kind of the stuff that it's it's supposed to happen because that, that that still makes you, you, mm-hmm. right? The good the good things that happen to you and the bad things blending and you getting over those bad things help you to, like, be yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're. The, I want to quickly jump back to the real estate side of things. Mm-hmm. You, you talked about how the real estate industry, particularly at least from the client side or from other realtors, you don't see a lot of other gay men there. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that is not, is still, I'm not sure what the right word is here, but it's something that you've noticed enough to make a comment on that. Yeah, so I think there's there's a lot of gay realtors out there, but either they're not super out or super expressive or super you don't have to be super flamboyant but just like accessible to the community Mm. right you have like a few that are within the community that are out and proud and whatever but i don't feel there's enough for you know the 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 community to feel comfortable Mm. with certain realtors because maybe they they don't come across as genuine or inclusive or whatever the case is There, there needs to be better within the real estate lgbtq community better understanding of the struggles that the younger or the more vulnerable parts of the LGBTQ community face. So there's that, but also just being open about yourself, the struggles you faced as a gay man or a lesbian woman. And have you seen resistance from clients? In what, in what aspect? Like when you, you talked about how you had one particular client and you don't have to name names or anything, but that once they found out that your partner was a man, mm-hmm. there was an immediate, like, they just stopped working with you. Yeah. Is yeah. that something that you're still seeing? No. No, no, no. It's almost like, and this sounds so wrong to say, it's almost like like being a gay realtor is like, it's fetishized now. Like, oh, I want the gay guy. I want him as my realtor because he's fabulous. Right? Like, that's, it's almost like a fetish from, like, more so the hetero community than the gay community. Mm-hmm. Gay community's going to work with you whether, like, you or not. Right? Because they, they just want the right realtor for them. Yeah. Right. right? But I think in some aspects with the hetero community, not I'm not painting this as a whole, sure. But just like you, you can tell like yeah, they, you it, notice it, things that you've noticed. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's some with some people it's a fetish. They mm-hmm. want the gay. It's almost like oh, I want the gay best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want a checkbox on your on your scorecard. Mm-hmm. I got the gay best friend. Cool. I got a white dog. Cool. I drive a Volvo. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I just named like every North Toronto housewife. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what advice? No, sorry, not advice. What are you hoping to achieve? both for James in the city and for private James? Damn. Uh, I would just say success in anything that I do. I feel like I'm a very successful person to begin with. Anything I do, I'm successful at. I've never failed. I've pivoted. I've changed. I've adjusted. I've never failed. But just continue success for both, collectively and as one unit. Hmm. And do you ever... 
I'm going to ask it again. Do you ever see a scenario where the two intersect? I think at some point, yeah, there'll be a like a Paris Hilton haha moment or aha moment, I should say, where, you know, she had the baby. She turned 40. Like, I'm not saying I need to have a baby to turn 40, but like, there's going to be a time <laughs> where it's like that character is gone right. and it's just one person. And maybe that comes with contentment. I don't know. Like, I feel that even in the last couple of months, I've made strides in bringing more of James out into the world versus James in the city. Hmm. Right? I've always been, you know, I, I have a girlfriend in real estate. She's, uh, she's a real estate coach now. She has a method called ROI. So it's relevancy, omnipresence, intimacy. I've always been intimate with my social media. I've always had people into certain things. You know, I struggled with addiction and bulimia and, you know, my sports and then my parents divorced and cut my coming out story and things like that. But I've never let people in on, like, the emotional side of, like, certain things. But it's it's slowly starting to come out the last couple of months. I think, like, my partner's allowed me to be more vulnerable with him as a strong man. That allows me to bring them more into, like, the public sector. So maybe there is maybe there is a time, maybe the time is coming sooner where James will replace James the City, but just as James in the City. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Do you want to be a father one day? Yes. What lesson that what have you learned from your father that you would either repeat or intentionally stay away from when you have a kid one day so whenever that day comes i would just instill that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with first and foremost but to always do things authentically and just be yourself because like my, my my dad is he's still a father is a great dad and you know he had his flaws so did my mother they both had their flaws. Every has flaws. Yeah. yeah. But I took so much away from both of them. Because he always made Nick and I strive to be the best versions of who we were in school, in sports, whatever we did. It was just just be the best version. And that's what I would instill in my future children. Hmm. That's awesome. Nice. That's incredible. Yeah. James, thank you for coming through. Thank you for having me. This was you. awesome. Yeah. I learned a ton. I'm glad. And uh <laughs> I, I genuinely hope that the real james gets to finally come out yeah maybe that'll be my my podcast no i don't i'll leave that for you guys <laughs> the real don't no, no, that's yeah. you guys have your your no but honestly i mean it um because i i think that you know that james more than likely has a lot to offer the world and it'd be a shame for for him not to make his presence known there's nothing wrong with polished yeah but something about the 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 realness of the the man behind the persona that i think you'd be pleasantly surprised how many people would would gravitate towards that i think you're right so i hope you find it in your own time in your own way um and i hope that the relationship with your dad just continues to grow from here because i know that relationships with fathers are always tricky Mm -hmm. um whether you have one or you don't have one they're always tricky and so I hope that that works out for you too. Thank you. But thank you so much for coming through and uh, we're going to be cheering you on. <laughs> Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Poncho, thank you so much. Thanks so, everyone.